It's time for midday here on the 15th day of January. It's Friday. Tyler Cavalli along with you on this windy edition of midday. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen in sports coming up in just a few minutes. Bob Brogan entering the room as we speak. We'll hear from him in just a couple of minutes as well. Suze will join us in a couple of moments. As you probably already know, it's windy out. There is a blizzard warning for eastern regions of Nebraska. We'll hear more about that from Paul Perkins in our regional ag weather update. And we'll find out when those winds will finally subside. But let's catch up with Susan Littlefield. And Susan, we asked you yesterday if you were getting any snow. I ask you again today. Looks like you might be receiving some flurries. We are. I can't even see the barn at the moment. But that's just Oof. because the wind is blowing so so bad. So the snow is really light. And so those gusts of winds catch it and they're gone. So you're not really we're gonna send just saying it's not really piling up at this moment. No, it's not. I mean, it's piling up like on the sidewalks and stuff like that and on the on the shoulders of the roads. Sure. But otherwise, it's just blowing. And drive careful. I think the worst part about it is you come out of a shelter belt and that north wind hits you mm. and vehicles are, you know, sliding over into that other lane just because it's such a big gust. So yeah. be careful if you have to drive. That is a good reminder. Whiteout conditions in certain areas, as the State Patrol and everybody else has mentioned as well. Well, what do you have coming up for us on this Friday edition of Midday? Well, no surprise. We're going to talk weather. That'll happen at 1219 as Chad checks in with Al Dutcher. We'll see what's on his plate as we move towards the weekend and beyond. That latest drought monitor doesn't look real pretty, so I'm sure they'll be talking about what we're going to get moisture-wise. Then Chabelle will come in at 1245. Legislature, the unicameral, and agriculture. She'll be bringing us up to speed on all that. And FNBO's Friday Feeders. We're going to catch up with Alex as she talks with her producer about raising beef in Nebraska. So that is a midday from the farm team. All right, thank you very much, Susan. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. You too. All right, thank you very much. Let's turn it over to Jason Jorgensen and sports. Yesterday we led off with Husker football news. Today we'll do the same. Yes, this isn't a huge story, but it's just interesting. But Nebraska's parted ways with not their special teams coach, but their special teams analyst, John Rutledge, who came to Lincoln after a stint at both Auburn and Missouri. He was there just one year. Nebraska did things differently last year with the coaching staff. They did not have a so-called special teams coach designated. It was... Rutledge, who kind of took care of this, and well, Nebraska special teams weren't very good, so they're going to try something different going forward. My question for the analyst position, are you just watching film the entire time? If you're not a coach, what's There's the certain things you can do and what you can't do. Of course, Nick Saban has all kinds of analysts <laughs> there at Alabama. Of course he does. So coach K, all those guys do. Of it's course they do. like a coach, assistant coach, but not. Okay. All right. A big win for the Lopers yesterday. Nice win for the Loper men. Knocked off 16th-ranked Missouri Western. Big games tomorrow for the Lopers. They take on Northwest Missouri. Okay, very good. Thank you very much, Jason. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. And stocks are not too hot so far. Stocks lower after reports were showing that the uh, pandemic is deepening the uh, hope for the economy. The S&P 500 was down eight-tenths of a percent in early trading with stocks of companies that most need a healthier economy, taking the sharpest losses. Retail sales fell for a third straight month as uh, virus cases kept people away from stores during the shopping season. Time for a regional ag weather update brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Paul Perkins has stepped in. and Paul, I'm hoping you'll tell us some good news here of when these... 
nasty winds will finally subside. In about six hours, it looks like, yes. Okay. Well, hey, that's not too bad. <laughs> At least that's when the high wind warning expires. So. Okay. Well, that's the, that's a better answer than I actually was thinking of. Uh, but in all reality, these winds are, are going to die or at least die down a little bit to uh, prompt that warning to expire, but they're still going to hang around. Exactly. Still seeing some breezy conditions tonight and tomorrow. Another system slides southeast tomorrow to bring in a little bit more uh, northwest wind, but not, definitely nothing as strong as what we are seeing right now across the area because uh, within the last hour, we've had some wind gusts as high as the mid to upper 50s, 55 to 59 mile an hour wind gusts from Grand Island and Hastings on up to Ord and Broken Bow. So some very strong winds still within the last hour and probably yeah, throughout the afternoon we're going to see those strong winds continue. But we are seeing some sunshine right now if you're along and west of a line from about Mullen to North Platte down to Norton, Kansas, you're seeing some sunshine, sunny skies out west in Nebraska, but otherwise blizzard conditions on into the eastern part of the state. So out west, you may get blown away if you're outside, <laughs> if you're trying to enjoy the sun. And if you're east, you won't be able to see anything because of the blizzard conditions. But how long will the snow linger around? It, that's also expected to kind of last until about 6 this evening because of the blizzard warning in effect for eastern Nebraska, western Iowa until 6 this evening. And then that snow gradually subsiding. But they have had some substantial amounts into parts of central Iowa up to around 5 to 8 inches of snow. And just in a report of a snow amount of 6.5 inches right now in Des Moines. But it's probably all ending up in one big pile with these strong winds. Or it'll end up with the winds blowing it down south somewhere. They are saying travel is obviously not recommended in eastern Nebraska as well. Exactly, especially uh, where that blizzard warning is in effect. The latest on that blizzard warning, that's in effect until 6 this evening. Extreme eastern Nebraska, or if you're along and east of a line from Norfolk to Lincoln and Fairbury on into western Iowa, uh, definitely not a good travel situation to and a place to avoid. So once again... Uh, no travel recommended eastern Nebraska, western Iowa due to that blizzard warning still in effect for until 6 p.m. Because 2 to 6 inches of snow is expected and winds expected to gust as high as 60 miles per hour. Most of that snow is along and east of a line from Norfolk to Columbus and the Lincoln and Beatrice area and sliding off towards the east and southeast. You may encounter a little bit of light snow and flurry activity in Central areas of Nebraska and Kansas today. Once again, those winds gusting on up to the 50s. The temperatures right now in the upper 20s to the low 30s. With the high wind warning, it remains in effect for all of Nebraska and all of Kansas on into northeast Colorado through 6 this evening. Sustained northwest winds 35 to 45, gusting as high as 65. And also any open burning strongly discouraged because most of the area also in a red flag warning. And, of course, the conditions very dry. And we have had reports of some uh, wildfires into northwestern areas of Kansas. Um, We've seen them here in Nebraska, too. Exactly. Yeah, today. yeah uh, the town of Bankelman, of course, having to evacuate for a short time period. Mm -hmm. But luckily they were allowed to go back there uh, to their homes. I was looking at this uh, note of visibility here, a uh, report here in western Kansas. A train spotter near uh, Rapahoe in eastern Colorado, just south of I-70, reporting a quarter-mile visibility uh, due to uh, the dust, I'm guessing, yeah. over western areas of Kansas wow. right now. So that's yeah, very strong uh, blowing dust, of course, also an issue over southwestern Nebraska and northwest Kansas blowing today. snow and blowing dust. Got it all today. <laughs> exactly. Strong northwest winds will continue through sunset on the backside of that very strong low-pressure system. It's currently centered over Iowa, 
closer to that low blizzard conditions found from extreme eastern Nebraska into the state of Iowa until early this evening. In central Nebraska and Kansas, chances for light snow or flurries will linger through this evening. Any accumulations, though, in central areas will range from a trace to just a few tenths of an inch. Otherwise, that sunshine gradually returning to western areas of Nebraska and Kansas as the afternoon goes on. As that low pulls away and high pressure builds from the west, winds will diminish to some breezy levels with clearing skies for tonight. We will see an Alberta clipper, a quick-moving area of low pressure that originates in Canada, drop southeast for tomorrow. With that clipper's passage, northwest winds will once again be on the breezy side. Moisture will be scarce, but we could see a few flurries. Temperatures will be slightly above average for tomorrow through Thursday as we see a series of fronts drop southeast. Looks like our mildest day of the next seven coming up on Wednesday with daytime highs about 10 degrees warmer than usual. In the long-term forecast, we could be headed towards a snowier period. Nebraska and Kansas temperatures likely to be seasonal to slightly cooler than normal for Wednesday through January 28th. And to go along with those slightly cooler temperatures, above normal precipitation likely for Wednesday through the 28th for Nebraska and Kansas. Key impacting weather factors in the markets include chances for only short-term rain in central Argentina and consistent favorable rain for Brazil. Snow will subside later today across the upper Midwest and lead to some widespread rain along the Atlantic coast. Diminishing high winds in the plains will overspread parts of the south. Dry weather will prevail the next five days in the central and southern plains and areas from the western Gulf Coast into the lower Mississippi Valley. For many wheat areas of the southern plains, drought continues. A storm may produce moderate rain across the southern part of the region towards the end of next week, but right now that's not in a certainty. Across southern Brazil, heavy rain is forecast this weekend. Moderate to heavy rain also indicated for central crop areas of Brazil. Eastern Brazil will see some lighter rain. The increases in soil moisture will be key, getting closer to planting of second crop corn. Central Argentina had periods of rain this past week, improving conditions for developing to reproductive corn and soybeans. Some additional rain indicated through tomorrow. The prospect for follow-up rain in central Argentina, though, quite low in the 6- to 19-day forecast, and the soil moisture benefit from this week's rain is going to be limited. So we just have to get through today. This weekend will be a little windy here or there, but nothing like what we're seeing last 24 hours or so, and then a chance of maybe some flurries next week. Exactly, yeah, just some light systems moving through over the next few days. Uh, get past this one today, and uh, some calmer seas on the way, I guess uh, you could say. I hope so. Uh, by the way, uh, Alberta clipping. What's a clipping, by the way? An Alberta clipper, yeah. A, quick, a clipper, yeah. Yeah, a quick-moving area of low pressure. It okay. originates in Alberta, Canada, and just quickly moves southeast, and it's something we do see quite often this time of year, and we're going to probably see a few of those over the next few days. Um, getting another report of... Some a tree 18 inch in diameter or with an 18 inch radius, uh, not completely over towards the Omaha area. So, wow, some strong winds on into eastern areas of Iowa. But yeah, an Alberta clipper, quick moving area of low pressure. And since it's moving so quickly, a lot of gusty winds come with it, but usually not a whole lot of moisture. Okay. Makes me think of a boat. A clipper's an <laughs> old ship, I think, isn't it? Exactly, okay. yeah. All right, either way you look at it. All right, thank you very much, Paul. For more weather, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time for our weekly update with uh, Al Dutcher, Nebraska ag climatologist, uh, and uh, on campus there in Lincoln. And uh, Al, boy, what a change in weather. It was uh, pretty pleasant early in the week, and we get to the end of the week, and we're back to winter conditions, Al. 
Yeah, we sure are. And if you think climatologically and look at past history, this usually is around the coldest time of the year between the 15th and the 21st of January. So right in line with that, we get this system that actually, as the models worked through the week, got stronger and stronger. And hence, we have blizzard-like conditions across extreme eastern Nebraska and most of western Iowa. And it does appear that from a standpoint of precipitation, it looks like it's coming to me to an end. We'll see more of the heavier bands remain over from the Missouri River to the to uh, central Iowa. And, but the winds themselves, it's going to take a little while for them to subside. We're going to be dealing with this all the way through the afternoon, very miserable conditions. I'm sure we're going to deal with some power outages and broken branches and some very hazardous driving conditions. But as we get toward the evening, we should start to see a relaxation in the winds. It will still be dealing with some windy conditions, but not to the extreme we're seeing here. We should start to see the gusts going down into the 30, 25-mile-an-hour range. And as we go into tomorrow, we should get a slight break during the morning. But as we get into the afternoon, another wave toward our northwest is going to move through on the heels of this system, which will make its way into the eastern Ohio River Valley. And as it comes into our region, it does look like it's going to strengthen somewhat, but it looks like it's going to stay a little bit farther to the east than this previous system. Therefore, we'll have some reinforcing uh, cloud cover and some light flurry activity possible, particularly across northeast and Nebraska as we go into Sunday, and it's going to keep conditions on the cool side, basically near the normal range in the 30s across most of the state. And then we start to see as that system pulls toward the east, we start to get a little bit of a break. Uh, the, the flow in the atmosphere starts to kind of favor a weak ridging pattern, and we should slowly migrate toward uh, the Wednesday period, which looks to be the warmest of, of this week, where we should see highs basically across eastern Nebraska primarily into the uh, low to mid 40s there will be another system that we're working across the top of that ridge breaking it down that should make its way into the state as we get into the late part of the week now the big uncertainty in the models at this point in time they were indicating the potential for significant weather development across the central plains yesterday as we get into late next weekend today they've backed off a little bit and they've split the flow somewhat and we kind of get caught in between so what I would advise folks is as we progress through the week, pay particular attention to the updates on the models because at this time of the year, just as we've seen with this system, things can strengthen rather rapidly. And what looks like a system that just kind of goes away all of a sudden reappears as a major snowstorm. There is likely going to be a pretty good precipitation event once that system in the southwest ejects out and catches up with the northerly flow. Just uncertain where that's going to occur. Today's model run keeps a little bit farther south of Nebraska, means that we're being a little bit cooler air. But if that returns that moisture back up into our region, then we would expect to see some significant weather, particularly across the southern half of the state. So overall, once we get through this next 24 to 48 hour period, looks like a fairly nice trend through the midweek period. And then a little bit of an uncertainty as we go into next weekend. And if we go look farther out, then it definitely looks like the cold air will be in for at least through about the 28th of the month before a rather major warming trend starts to occur across the central United States. Thanks always for the insight. Al Dutcher, Nebraska ag climatologist, and an update here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting. It's time for Midday Sports here on this Friday. Jason is back in and well, let's talk more about that Husker football personnel change. Uh, they're they're losing a uh, not an assistant. It's uh, what do we call this? 
Analyst. Analyst, okay. Special right. teams analyst Jonathan Rutledge is gone. He came to Lincoln after stints of old Auburn and Missouri. Coach Scott Frost is elected not to have an he had an elected not to have an assistant coach dedicated to coaching special teams last fall. They tried to get through it with a specialist. Rutledge was paid a salary of $150,000. You know, someone could pay me that to be a, a broadcasting specialist. I was yeah. just looking at that and thinking the exact same thing. This guy was watching film, per se, and getting paid one hundred fifty grand to do so. Not a bad mm-hmm. gig. So uh, we'll see where the special teams go with Husker football moving on. Uh, here's some good news. Defensive end Ben Stilley announced this morning on Twitter that he will be back for another season with the Huskers. So 17 yeah. of their top 20 defensive players on this past fall, we'll be back. That's good. Now it would be nice if the offense would cooperate. Yeah, uh, that's another story. Week from tonight, Nebraska Volleyball hopefully begins its season at Indiana. Head coach John Cook says he's certainly seen plenty of potential in this preseason. At times, this group has shown they can play at a really high level. Uh, now we're trying to get that to be consistent. And I think that's one of the hardest things and maybe the hardest things, I think, if you talk to coaches and other teams is, Again, there's a lot of interruptions all the time. And uh, and so trying to get a consistent performance level and the other thing, getting in a routine. We're trying to get in a routine. And Huskers start the season ranked fifth in the country. UNK men hit a season-high 11 three-pointers and picked up 23 bench points. The stun 16th-ranked Missouri Western last night, 75-67. Lopers improved to 4-6, and six, and head coach Kevin Lofton says it was a group effort. I was really impressed. We got some guys come off the bench and play huge for us. Pat gave us some good minutes in the first half, but obviously, you know, what Miles was able to do for us was huge, you know, uh, and he's been waiting for his chance, working hard in practice. Sophomore Miles Arnold and Matt Bryan each had 16 points for the Lopers. UNK will host defending national champion Northwest Missouri tomorrow. Bearcats beat Fort Hay State last night 64-51. to Women's game tomorrow at 2, men's game at 4, over on 93.1 the River and 106.9 in Kearney. Also, if you missed it, Urban Myers agreed to become the next head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. What's your thoughts on that? Well, he's doing it for ego. Probably doing it to prove that he can win in the NFL when Nick Saban couldn't. You think he'll win in the NFL? I won't be surprised if he does. And especially if he's able to draft Trevor Lawrence, and he's as good as everybody thinks he is. So if if Trevor Lawrence ends up being a player, then I'd say, yeah, he probably stands a chance of being a successful coach. Well, it's a tasty situation if you're Meyer. I understand he still has a home there. It's in Jacksonville, Florida. It's not a bad place to be. You get Trevor Lawrence, you had $70 million in cap space just this year. I'm not going to say he's going to win a Super Bowl in the next couple of years. My only thing is he doesn't have any NFL uh, experience. And I don't know if that really matters a whole bunch nowadays, but that has to m- mean a little bit, I would think. And if it doesn't work out for him, he could just tap out a couple <laughs> of years and go back to Fox TV. Which he was fairly good at. He was very good at. I mean, he, I think he impressed people with how good he was on TV. That pregame show is going to be hurting without him sure. on it. I, Got to scratch that itch for getting yeah. the NFL. We'll see what happens. It'll be an interesting story, that's for sure. All right, thank you, Jason. Mm-hmm. Time for midday look at news. Dave Schroeder has stepped in. and Well, Dave, a, a scary moment this morning in southwest Nebraska due to those winds. Absolutely, absolutely. I can't imagine what it's like to be told you've got to get out of your residence here because we've got a fire heading mm-hmm. towards town. Probably the right call, too, just absolutely. not knowing what the winds and what could happen. The last thing you want is to be, well, the town surrounded or structures catching on fire. So 
being very precautious. Absolutely. Well, emergency management did give the public the all clear to return to Binkelman as evacuation recommended were lifted this morning around 7.30. Joanna Lemoyne in the emergency manager's office. The evacuation order has been lifted at this time, so people are allowed to go back, but to please use caution and report any fires that you happen to see as they will get out of control very quickly in this wind and allow any emergency crews that are still in the area to continue to do their job without hindrance. The fire was reported under control at this time. The Dundee County Sheriff's Office says a fire was on the northwestern side of the community, started about four miles outside of there, and traveled southeastern towards the town. The cause is still unknown. Around 12.30 this morning, the Brady Volunteer Fire Department was called to a fire on East Antelope Road and East County Line Road, north of Brady. According to Brady Fire Chief Mike Gruber, the fire burned a cornstalk field, damaging tires on an irrigation pivot as well as alfalfa bales. The cause of the fire is yet to be determined. Meanwhile, the Brady Fire Department was responding to a fire this morning south of Brady. During his State of the State address yesterday, Governor Pete Ricketts said the COVID-19 pandemic has revealed the need to invest in better community connectivity through broadband internet. He said over 80,000 Nebraska residents lack broadband speeds of at least 15.3. Over the last several months, we were able to use CARES Act money to begin connecting 17,600 households with broadband. Additional households are expected to receive broadband using existing resources over the next two years. Senator Friesen, Speaker Hilgers, and I are proposing that we invest $20 million in each of the next two years to help another 30,000 households get broadband connectivity. This will move Nebraska closer to bring broadband coverage to every corner of the state. The money would go towards uh, broadband developers in an incentive to set up service in remote areas where it isn't otherwise feasible. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. The Nebraska 107th legislative session has its work cut out for it as the season is still dealing with the COVID pandemic. And along with hearing new bills, there will also be follow-up on bills which were held or advanced to this session. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Senator Steve Halloran of the 33rd District and Chairman of the Agriculture Committee says there are several bills they will be looking at for sure. One will have to, uh, will be dealing with a refresh of the uh, brand laws. Um, this last year we had a working group put together of all the significant participants in the cattle industry. And we had four meetings, uh, and they were a working group. I mean, we we walked through uh, the brand law, or at least the updates in the brand law that were uh, looked at last year but weren't acted on. And uh, we had an opportunity to uh, have everybody listen to everybody else. In other words, they had a chance to express their views on the brand laws, and everybody had a chance to understand uh, each perspective of all those players. Two bills dealing with the Nebraska Brand Committee were introduced last session, LB 1165 by Senator John Stinner and LB 1200 by Senator Tom Brewer. LB 1200 didn't actually move forward, but Halloran explains how it is the basis for one they will be looking at under a new number. Now, Senator Brewer's bill, LB 1200, 
that was the skeleton bill that we looked at when we were working with the working group. In other words, we we just looked at those changes um, uh, in LB that LB twelve hundred was bringing, and uh, we worked through each of those issues and uh, tried to build some consensus on that. Another bill called Herd Share, which will be heard by the Ag Committee, dropped this week from Senator Tom Brandt of the 32nd District. He says the bill is similar to one in Wyoming, which has helped processors and producers. Because Nebraska only has federal meat inspection, we have no state meat inspection in the state, uh, there are some gray areas. And what has happened with COVID, because I am a cattle feeder and I feed hogs, um, the chain speed slowed down in the big packing plants. When the chain speed slowed down, we had animals, particularly on the pork side, and in our neighboring state of Iowa and Minnesota, the hogs got too big. They had to euthanize the hogs and basically uh, take them to a landfill, which was a tremendous waste of usable meat, usable protein. Brandt says the bill will help small and large producers market the animals when and if processors get backed up, which happened in the earlier months of the year with the pandemic. In the federal uh, meat inspection law, there is a clause in federal meat inspection that says if you're an owner of livestock, you are allowed to butcher and consume that yourself. And that's outside of any federal regulations. So what they figured out in Wyoming is that if I sell shares of my herd, whether it's pork, beef, goats, or sheep to you, and for $1 now, you are a herd owner, you are an owner, and you fall under that definition. Brandt says the meat can be processed and then sold in separate pieces, such as steak or hamburger, without having to buy a half a beef, as is currently the case. The legislature will also hear a bill dealing with the meat and poultry industry, which were among the hardest hit by the pandemic. On Monday, June 11th, Nebraska Community Advocates and Senator Tony Vargas held a virtual press conference to introduce two legislative bills, LB-241 to implement work safety protections and LB-258 to implement paid sick leave. Vargas explains more on the bills. The Meatpacking Employees COVID-19 Protection Act will put in place the recommendations that the CDC and OSHA have recommended since the very beginning of this pandemic. A six-foot radius of space around each worker, regular access to clean PPE and hand-washing stations, regular cleaning of shared equipment, uh, temperature checks, paid sick leave for workers who contract COVID-19, and assurances that they will not face any penalties for missing work and sharing information about the number of cases with appropriate government agencies and legislative committees. This bill will allow the Nebraska Department of Labor will also allow them to issue citations and penalties for violations of the Protection Act up to 5,000 for each violation. The goal of the legislation is to establish clear and enforceable COVID-19 protections in meat and poultry plants. Eric Reeder, president of the United Food and Commercial Workers Local 293, says when they find a problem, it is addressed, but there are more problems than they can address. Without some kind of legislation, this issue is going to get worse. Most employers have now begun to talk to me about rolling back their COVID measures as the vaccine rolls out. I think the CDC has, has stated that it's going to take time to get the vaccine. I, I'm expecting 10 to 11 months before the vaccine shows any real impact. In the meantime, the plants will begin to bring their high-risk people back if they're out. 
rollback measures, stop pay. And if we're really committed to protecting the workforce and the essential workers in the plant and the food supply, we need something in place now. The current legislative session has 90 days and everyone agrees it will be a challenging year with the pandemic protocols to see how many bills will be heard this session. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. With the business report for Friday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are pulling lower again on Wall Street after reports showed the pandemic is deepening the hole for the economy. The S&P 500 was down eight-tenths percent in early trading, with stocks of companies that most need a healthier economy taking the sharpest losses. President-elect Joe Biden has unveiled details of his $1.9 trillion plan to prop up the economy, But markets had already rallied big on expectations of such a proposal. Retail sales fell for a third straight month as a surge in virus cases kept people away from stores during the holiday shopping season. The Commerce Department says retail sales fell a seasonally adjusted seven-tenths percent in December from the month before. They also fell in October and November, even though many retailers tried to get people shopping early for their Christmas gifts by offering deals before Halloween. Today's report is another sign that the pandemic is slowing the U.S. economy. U.S. industrial production rose 1.6% in December, a third straight monthly gain, but remains below its pre-pandemic level. The Federal Reserve says the December gain in industrial output followed a 5 tenths percent increase in November and a 1% increase in October. Even with those gains, industrial output is still about 3.3% below its level in February before the pandemic hit. U.S. pharmaceutical company Pfizer has confirmed that it will temporarily reduce deliveries to Europe of its COVID-19 vaccine while it upgrades production capacity to 2 billion vaccine doses per year. Germany's health ministry saying today that Pfizer had informed the European Commission, which was responsible for ordering vaccines from the company, that it won't be able to fulfill all of the promised deliveries in the coming three to four weeks. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Berger. It's time for this week's edition of Friday Feeders, which is brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. Today we are rejoining Hannah S. She is the founder of Oak Barn Beef. Hannah, it's great to be with you again. Yeah, Alex, good to chat with you. Thanks for having me back on. So, Hannah, the last time we had a conversation, it was before Christmas, and you were insanely busy, I know. You were busy packing boxes and getting all of your orders out. Give us a recap of how the Christmas season went for Oak Barn Beef. Uh, Christmas is awesome. I'm very thankful for the busy season we had. I had a lot of beef stocked up, so I was happy to ship that out to customers. But um, it was for sure our biggest month so far, just about double of what what we normally are doing. So it was uh, shipping a lot of boxes. I think our record for one week was 95 boxes, which is quite a bit for me. So it was a great, great season. And now I'm kind of recovering, working on some of the smaller stuff. Yeah, that's a perfect segue into our next topic of conversation. During this pandemic, a lot of people have had, I know my family has had trouble getting a date with a butcher to get cattle in. It doesn't matter if you have them or not. If they don't have a date, it's hard to get anything done. How has Oak Barn Beef handled that challenge? It's 
been a big change since COVID started. So um, prior to COVID, I could call my old locker in about two weeks ahead of time and get butcher appointments. And um, now all of our butcher appointments for 2021 are booked already. And luckily, I was able to get on the calendar of our butcher still. So I know um, some producers are still struggling with that. But um, what we have done is spread our butcher days out like about every month or so. And granted, with spots being filled up quickly this year, we have multiple spots each month. So that's changed. Um, but what that does is spread out our inventory and cattle and everything to help manage that and make sure we have inventory and stock at all times. And I'd have to imagine that while it's frustrating now to have that problem, that impacts you way down the line too, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and just trying to plan ahead for the demand for um, 2021 when we were halfway through 2020 was kind of difficult. And we'll see um, how this year plays out after doing that. Sure thing. Well, Hannah, I know that uh, we won't be able to talk before Valentine's Day, and I'm not so sure that that's a huge holiday for meat, but there are some ways to stay up to date with maybe some specials that you guys have going on. How do we stay connected with Oak Barn Beef? Go to oakbarnbeef.com and sign up for our email list. And we are actually going to run a flash sale um, this next weekend for our email list only. So if you want to be part of that, you can go to the website and sign up. And then we will We'll be running some specials for Valentine's Day, too. So if you're looking for Valentine's Day presents, beef is a great one. Perfect. Well, Hannah, we will be visiting in about six weeks or so. What do you expect to be doing in that next six weeks? During COVID, we didn't have enough beef to keep up with the demand of, like, our smaller beef boxes that we've been shipping. But we are catching up now and looking forward to selling whole halves and quarters um, locally again. So within the next few weeks and months we'll be um, offering those and kind of doing a pre-sale so if anybody is interested in that too they just let me know and we can coordinate all right thanks so much hannah the next time we talk we will talk about all things calving season so i'm excited to hear an update from your family's operation but until then that has been another edition of friday feeders brought to you by fnbo the great big small bank with hannah esh the founder of oak barn beef i'm alex wachowski reporting for the rural Play Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's talk to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. And John, a little bit of a pullback here in the market, but probably not too much to read in here today, given that we're going into an extended weekend, more than likely profit-taking, squaring up positions. Definitely. I think that's a good categorize of it. We've, we've you know, essentially kind of traded where the WASD ended up. You know, we went up there, 525. Uh, that was where we went limit up after the Wazi and then shot up. I think the next day was like 540 maybe on that open. Um, but settling out here near the 530 level is probably, you know, showing profit taking. I think the markets have, you know, got a lot of good news priced in. And, and now it's about really the next leg to drop. And uh, it could be in many things. You know, Brazil's currencies, I've, I've been writing about that. If that starts to rally and you get a weak dollar here, I think, they, you know, corn, especially new crop, even this year and next year, could look pretty attractive at these prices. And then, um, you know, the soybean side, of course, you know, 15 looks to be kind of the obvious price point. But uh, I, I am just kind of flashing, not to be bullish and bearish in the same sentence, I'm hearing cases in China are starting to climb as far as COVID goes. And that that's very concerning to me. 
um, because if China doesn't buy, they could ration a lot of demand themselves. So I'm just being careful here. If you've, if you've been on the train for a while, I think you'll look to, to take profits. And, you know, if, you, if you're looking for a spot to hedge some old crop, I think there's a decent spot. I don't think anything COVID-related in China is a long-term issue. I just think in the short run could lead to some profit-taking and, you know, a pretty long and tooth commodity trade. You know, we look at that edible oils market here today. It kind of started with palm oil, but soybean oil was definitely susceptible to it, settling nearly 3% lower on the day. Is this any indication that China, which Asia, a large consumer of that edible oil market, are they starting to slow down in that overall demand? That, that's that's kind of what I'm talking about, you know, and why why is it down? It could be down many reasons, I'm, you know, but I think that, uh, you know, they tend to buy ahead of, some, ahead of these events and, you know, maybe we're seeing some cancellations there. I think the bean trade is just so long. You know, I mean, we could go back to 12.75 on the old crop. You know, maybe break $60 per metric ton in hogs, and then come right back this summer on a weather rally. I mean, that's very, very probable. Uh, I think you know, if there's a problem with the weather, the U.S. producer is going to produce regardless. I think we're in in, in what we're in right now, uh, and now it's about what they're going to produce. Um, you know, I think the evidence from the Wazi report that that you know. Increased Chicago wheat acres is going to lead to increased beans, and I think that that benefits corn, uh, especially if markets like Milo should do well. We are talking to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You can always learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. That's where you can check out uh, John's newsletter This Week in Grain. Do remember, trading futures and options involve risk of loss. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Friday edition of Midday. If you not only miss something from today or the entire week, you can listen to the Midday Podcast, sponsored by Devenny Motors, can be found at krvn.com.